This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 56. This episode features Danielle Fink. Danielle specializes in body work. So if you're like me um, and you just got back into some martial arts, maybe some jujitsu and Thai boxing over at Hammer and Nail, um, and yeah, your body is uh, adjusting to to getting back to it, um, you might need some body work. You might need some good massage work um, to help you, you know, relax and release release tension and just you know align your body and be be in good health. Um, you might want to go to Danielle. Um, she also has an acting and playwriting background. Um, we talk about all of that in the interview. It was a great conversation. We talked about all that and lots more. Um, check her out on urbanhealer.com. And yeah, if you're in the Bushwick area, she, she has an office in Union Square, but she also has a home studio, which I took have taken full advantage of a couple of times now, including right after this interview that we had. So without further ado, this is the urban healer herself, Danielle Fink. Let's have a conversation. Here we are, and we're going. <laughs> Just like that. Booyah. So Danielle, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. <laughs> um... So if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw something about Black Friday, um, and about, well, not about Black Friday, but about um, Thanksgiving and you being in the neighborhood and that you're going to do some of your practice more in the neighborhood also. Yes, I have recently converted an extra room in my uh, loft that was previously occupied by a roommate into a massage studio. So uh, that's happening and just getting the word out that that's there and for people to come by and get some body work in the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this for 15 years now and I have a office in Union Square. Um, and then I also work in Fort Greene, but you know, with the L train shutting down and uh, yeah, it just seems like it's a good time to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, uh... I don't know about you, but I'm somewhat excited about the L train shut down. Selfish reasons. Um, like I bike a lot to work. Uh-huh. Um, I know, <laughs> like I know I'm going to regret some things about it, but just sort of, I like the growth of the neighborhood. I like all the restaurants um, that we have. Yeah. I have a similar thought with it where I kind of, you know, everyone's like, Oh no, you know, it's going to be the death of all these restaurants and shops and stuff. And I actually, I'm a little more optimistic about it in the sense that I think that it will actually make people maybe be a little more local. Yeah. You know, that instead of, you know, going into the city, I mean, I don't <laughs> actually don't know a lot of people at this point who <laughs> go into the city for, you know, bar hopping and restaurants and brunch and stuff. I, I, I think mo- most people do kind of stay in Brooklyn, but uh, I th- I'm thinking it'll force people to be a little more local and, you know, maybe see what's closer to home. And, you know, if it is a big pain to travel someplace else because of the transportation system, then maybe it's just easier to see what new places opening around you or what's been there that you haven't checked out and, and 
do that instead, you know? So that's sort of my hope for that is that we kind of, you know, get back to a little more of a neighborhoody feel and yeah. uh, support. I think, um, I think like the cost of living will go down a little bit in the short term here too. Yeah. I did read that that was already happening yeah. in Williamsburg. So that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so how did you get into body work? Um, well, kind of through several roundabout ways. I was, uh, you know, I went to school for theater and I was doing, um, a lot of physical theater, like so a lot of experimental work that was sort of like half dance, half, uh, traditional theater. Um, but yeah, really physical body based. And then I was also had sort of a strange little modern dance career for a minute and, uh, so I was actually getting a lot of body work to, um, you know, deal Help with keep up with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to deal with the wear and tear that was happening with, you know, four or five hour rehearsals every day. Um, so I was connected to it in that way. And then um, I also started doing a lot of alternative uh, medicine, you know, research. And um, one of the things I really f- fell into was aromatherapy. Um, and I actually went and got my like aromatherapy certification from some you know, school in Oregon and went and studied in France. And, <laughs> and I came back with that and I thought, you know, what am I going to do with this? Because I'm, I know that I'm not a great marketer or product person. And, uh, I didn't really feel the interest in making my own line of stuff at that moment. So I thought, well, I could use this, you know, I could incorporate the aromatherapy and body work. Um, which is what they do a lot of in Europe. And uh, so that was my first interest in it. Yeah. And I got my brochure from uh, the Swedish Institute and I looked at it and I thought, oh, this is really great. I want to do this. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of put it, put it aside because I thought, ah, I don't want to spend the money right now and I don't want to, you know, I don't have time for the training. And then, you know, to be perfectly honest, uh, I was working at a office building that I'd been temping at and they sort of hired me on, um, at part-time basis, um, as most actors do. Uh, and 9-11 happened and the window behind my desk looked downtown. So I, you know, saw that whole thing happen. And there was just this moment when I sort of turned back and saw my entire office standing behind me and you know, it's just these rows of cubicles and <laughs> desks and office doors. And I thought, you know, and there were all these false reports about maybe there were more planes coming and all this stuff, all this panic. And I just had this thought where I was like, if I'm going to go, I'm not going with you people. So it's like <laughs> you witnessed a nightmare and realized that you were in a nightmare like you woke from a nightmare not like yeah. that that's a nightmare necessarily but like i think what was the kind of that moment where you realize like if everything ended in this moment i would be really disappointed with myself that i was just doing something for the money mm-hmm. and yes the money supported the art that i was doing at the time but it was like is there something i can be doing to make money that actually makes me feel good and positive and feeds that other side. So if I'm not going to be getting paid to do (laughs) experimental theater, (laughs) what can I get paid to do that is equally as fulfilling? 
And I literally the next day went and found my application for Swedish Institute, pulled it out and filled it out. And that spring I was in class. And that was, uh, that was it. Yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of like, what can I do that will fulfill me and make me feel good? And it was like, well, massage is, you know, what's better than making people feel good and pain-free and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? so on that um because like for me i uh you know like i've done martial arts off and on mm-hmm. and i've done them I'm, I'm more doing them now i want to get more consistent with my training uh-huh um but i remember uh right around 30 was when i first started like doing yoga and like getting it it was probably like Mm -hmm. like late 20s um was when it started to like all of a sudden i was like oh i need some yoga like there's too much yeah tension um but then now um what's starting to happen especially with the training and i don't know i'm sure some of it's normal but like there's more kind of chronic pain (laughs) like is that like is that like a normal thing? I mean, not for no, but I mean, I'm training, and I yeah. bartend, and you know, I'm on my feet. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm like wondering like where the line is on like forty. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. I like I have clients who, you know, oh forty. Well, as soon as you turn forty, your lower back's gonna start hurting you everything's going to fall apart. You're going to wake up in the morning and be like, ah, my God. And I would just be like, oh, come on. You know, you just need to work out or get a better night's sleep or something. You know, 40's not that old. And then honest to God, I had a 40th birthday party and I had like, it turned into a dance party and I woke up the next day and I was crippled. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was just like... I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, everything was just like tight and sore. My knees, I've never had problems with my knees and I couldn't bend my knees. My hips were, you know, it was just, it was insane. And I thought, this is crazy. I'm one day into 40 and I'm broken. And then I thought about what everyone had said and I thought, oh, it's true. And I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's just, you know, the natural... (laughs) I'm sure for some people they can maintain that a little longer, but yeah, it seems every, everything that I've, (laughs) I've experienced and heard, it's like kind of 40 is that moment where your body is like, oh, you've been, you know, standing with a little more weight on the, on your right foot, or you kind of are rotating your pelvis forward a little bit, or maybe you hold your right shoulder up a little bit closer to your ear and rotate it forward. You know, all these things that in our 20s and 30s that, you know, our body could compensate for. Now, all of a sudden, you know, this becomes an area of chronic inflammation. So what do you do about it? Um, well, obviously, massage is great, <laughs> um, you know, to kind of break up some holding patterns within the muscle fibers and the fascia. Um, you know, of course, yeah, yoga, keeping things moving. A big thing that I'm really talking to my clients about right now is their sleep. Yeah. Because if you think about it, we are in this, you know, horizontal position, hopefully for five to eight hours, (laughs) 
sometimes less, but, uh, and if you are getting less than eight hours or let's say less than six hours, you know, that's has its own problems. Um, but also in terms of, you know, like a pillow, I, I used to love these big fluffy, mushy, you know, goose down pillows. And I would get them and wad them up into a ball and shove them under my head. And, I would wake up every morning with this crick in my neck Mm -hmm. and my shoulder hurt. And then that would lead to headaches. Sometimes like these weird, like eye twitchy things, you know, and you were like, oh gosh, this is coming from some, this knot in my shoulder. And why is that even there? Well, I'm a side sleeper. So, you know, yeah. And the thing that side sleepers tend to do is that we go yeah crunch up into this little fetal Fetal, position yeah where it's like you know when we were babies i think someone used to shove a stuffed animal under our arms so we kind of had that to like open up our you know chest a little bit and position the arm correctly but as adults we don't think to do that so we're really just crunched up into this little sleep ball and then you wake up you know you're in that position for however many hours and then you wake up and those muscles are like you know, hanging on to that. Um, so what I did was I switched to a firmer pillow, mm-hmm. which <laughs> killed me at first. I was like, Ooh, I don't want to sleep on a tempur pillow or like some, you know, big foam block of pillow. But I have to say the most important thing was that I realigned my spine and my sleep pattern and it made all the difference. What kind did you, was there a specific type of pillow you got? I mean, for me, I just got like, you know, a firm, firm pillow that actually kind of comes up and makes this plateau Mm -hmm. so that it supports the head. And I'm not, you know, it's like the shoulder that's, if you're on your side, the the shoulder that you're sleeping on kind of comes up and creeps up towards your ear, you know? So what a firmer pillow will do is that it kind of fills that space Mm -hmm. that your shoulder kind of wants to fill. Um, so yeah, that, I feel like that really helped. The other thing too is that I, then I took my <laughs> my mushy goose down pillow and I put that under my arm and so I, and hugged that into me, you know, and kind of used that as a um, yeah as I've a heard support. Of people using a body, body pillows also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have the room in your bed, they're they're great because the other thing about that is you can prop your knee up on top and that also helps realign the hip. That's another issue for side sleepers. Is like you prop like, one knee up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the top the knee. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I massage a lot of pregnant women, like do prenatal massage, right. and um, we have to do them in sideline positions. So we prop them up with all these pillows, and you know, under their knee and under the arm and everything to make sure that they're secure in the sideline. And a lot of them come back after they've had their uh, baby, and they're like, "Oh, I just kept sleeping with all the pillows and everything because it was so comfortable, and it actually feels better." Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely, it's a good, good thing to, to think about when you sleep, you know, just what your alignment is and, and, you know, because it's all those, you add up all the hours that you're in that position. It's a big deal. It's the same thing of like, you know, if you're sitting at a computer all day and you're like slumped in the chair or you're like bent over the computer, you know, like that's going to have an effect on your muscles and, you know, the holding pattern of your body. So a lot of the like dot com author or like the more tech offices have things that are goofy to me. But one, I think 
that I do like is those desks that go from standing to like. Yeah, sitting. I have a lot of clients that said that they're. Because I don't think I'd want to. If I was on a computer all the time, I don't think I would want to stand all the time. But right. I also wouldn't want to sit all the. You know. Yeah, to that's be able what. To, yeah, that's what they say. Is that you know? I was. I was like, well, do you get to, you know, change it up? And they're like, yeah, and that's the best one is where you can, you know, be sitting and then stand up for a little bit and then I think a lot of them say it sounds like they do the standing after lunch so that they kind of avoid that you know post-lunch yeah low blood sugar crash or whatever Mm -hmm. um and that sounds like a good idea to me you know instead of just (laughs) collapsing into your office chair you know standing up and being a little more active and present Yeah. yeah yeah um do you now switching over talk about uh and I mean, we could talk about whatever, but, um, <laughs> like as far as like acting and theater, do you write too? I did switch from, uh, performing to, um, doing some more writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, uh, in the last, I don't know, two years, I decided to kind of try my hand at that. And in February this past year, I had a short play, uh, presented in a festival in Greenwich village and that was fun. And encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think like the biggest issue for me is um, finding the time to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know. Yeah. Just setting aside the time to sit and write. And, you know, I have, of course, I have like pages and pages and pages of notes and, you know, the beginning of this play is this. And, <laughs> and that's the problem too. You know, you always have like the opening for 500 plays. And then when you think about it, you're like, well, how does this end? Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting also, like I think with plays or with TV shows, um, whatever it is, um, but there's some writers that know where it ends in the beginning and then others who have no idea. Yeah. And I tend to be more, I have no, like sometimes I have a vague idea, but like right. I tend to be not know where the story's going when I start yeah. it. Yeah, yeah me too. I feel like... <laughs> up until this point, like I'm like my style of writing will uh, like, it usually will come from an absurd thought or situation that I see somewhere. And, and then I ask myself the question, well, what happens from here? Mm -hmm. You know? So, um, you know, if you found a dead body in a, a lake that was in your backyard upstate, what would you do? You know? And then the story progresses from there. And I feel like yeah, like my style of writing has been just asking, you know, the story progresses by just asking the same question, you know, these questions of what happens next or what what are the options? You know, what are the different decisions that people could make and how do we explore what those are? And, uh, you know, some of them lead to a dead end and some of them create, you know, the conclusion to the story. But yeah, I'm the same way. I just kind of like start and I just keep asking questions. Be like, you know, what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? <laughs> so what was uh, the play that you did that was done in the festival? Ah, that was a, uh, well, the, the festival <laughs> was called Sex. So it was, uh, you know, short plays about that were kind of centered around that. And I had a, a longer one act that I had written that wasn't quite working at the, as of, you know, the length that it was at, but I thought, oh gosh, I, I bet I could edit this down to, you know, the 15 minutes that there's gotta be 15 minutes of 
good material in this piece. Um, and so the basic premise is that uh, it's a man and a woman, and they um, it starts with them showing up in a hotel room, and they're obviously there for uh, their weekend tryst. And he ends up getting a phone call from his wife that she knows that he's been cheating on her and she's ending the marriage and, you know, don't come back, blah, blah, blah. So he starts to get distraught about that and his lover kind of tries to bring him back by saying, you know, don't worry, we're here for, you know, deal with it when you get back. We're having this wonderful weekend. and, And then it dawns on him that, oh, yeah, you know, I have you. And he basically tries to slide her immediately into the wife role. The wife role. And then it becomes this whole debate and play of her saying, it's a little bit of a reversal, I guess, of what we think of, you know, it's the woman who wants to be in the relationship and the man who's like, no, no, no. Um, so we kind of flip it where it's the man who's like, well, great. Now you can, you don't have to be my lover anymore. You can be my, my girlfriend. And she's like, I don't want to be your girlfriend. You you cheat on your wife. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> yeah. Like, you you would be the worst boyfriend ever. You know, as a lover, you're great. Yeah. You know, but um, you know, she doesn't want any part of being in an actual relationship with this guy, and of course, that escalates into an argument, and she it ends with her leaving and him calling his wife to apologize. But yeah, that's a that's <laughs> sort of a tricky thing, I think, with affairs is is that like they're yeah. they're. It's not that they're not, they're real, but um, I think part of the thing with them is it's like on either side of it, like both people can be in relationships, one person is and one person's not, Mm -hmm. whatever. But if everybody's aware of the situation, um, I mean, not the the other parties or party, but like the two people in the affair, um, the part of that like part of that relationship is you know being with somebody that's married (laughs) if all of a sudden they're not like if their situation changes sometimes the nature of the relationship relationship changes yeah yeah well because and this is part of the argument that comes up during the play is that you know when you're just having sex with somebody it's all it's great Mm -hmm. there's you know you don't have to like one of the things that uh, she brings up is, you know, when you're in a relationship, you have to return phone calls. And he's like, what are you talking about? I return your phone calls. And she's like, yeah, because you want to return my phone call, not because you have to. But, you know, when you're in a relationship and you're the boyfriend or the girlfriend, you have to return the phone call because if you don't return the phone call, there's an argument. Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you respond to me? Whereas if you're just the lover, if they don't respond, you're like, well, they're busy or they're with their family or, you know, whatever. But most times they will return that phone call because they want to meet up and have sex with you because that's fun and it's the escape, right? So, yeah. And most people, once you have to do something, you don't want to. Yeah, all of a sudden it takes all the sexy out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the uh, that's sort of the debate within the the play is that she's actually the one pointing that out and being like all the great things about what we have together are not going to be great anymore because (laughs) it's going to be an obligation. Yeah. As opposed to because we want to see each other, 
you know, because that's, you know, what an affair is a lot of times, right? It's you want to see this other person as an escape from what your normal day to day is. Right. So it's an escape from reality in a way. And so Mm -hmm. when it gets real, like it's no longer an escape, like it it gets real, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) like I feel like half the times, like people who have affairs who like try and do a relationship out of it, like it doesn't work out no. because then they actually realize that, like, oh, I don't actually like this person. No, you <laughs> like, 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 yeah, you like, I like you with your clothes off doing what you do with, you know, when that happens, but like to actually deal with your day to day life, yeah, <laughs> is a nightmare, <laughs> which you don't have to do when you're having an affair, right? Like, you just get all the best parts of that person, yeah. <laughs> fun yeah (laughs) so yeah so that was uh that was that yeah and that and that whole kind of premise came out of just asking you know what would happen if two people who were having an affair if all of a sudden you know he wanted her to be the to do something more serious and and she didn't want to and then again just kept asking the questions you know what if she didn't want to do it what are her arguments against it and you know and mm-hmm. that's where the dialogue came from and, and the action of the play. So nice. Yeah. And how did, uh, like, how did you find, did you direct, have anything to do with the direction or anything? Or? I did direct it. it. It happened very quickly. It was like, I submitted it and it got accepted. And I think we had like a, I want to say like three weeks <laughs> before, uh, performance, which for me, I'm used to as a performer, like, you know, taking three months to workshop and, you know, you do all this physical nonverbal stuff in the beginning and then you start to work with the script and then, you know, finally start blocking it and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I was like, three weeks. Um, and a good friend of mine, um, Gillian Chadsey, who's also a amazing massage therapist. Uh, we actually met at Great Jones Spa together. Um, she was familiar with the script and I told her I was submitting it and um, she was on board from the beginning. Um, so when it got accepted, I called her and I was like, okay, we're doing this. We got three weeks and uh, her boyfriend is an actor. And I said, can we get, you know what the easiest thing would be, would be to get Peter to do this with you because there's a lot of physicality in it, a lot of making out and being on the, you know, he's on top of her on the couch and then also some physicality at the end where they're kind of throwing each other around and stuff. And I was like, you know, to build up that trust between actors that don't know each other in a three week period is, can be difficult. Um, and she's in like, you know, in her bra and, you know, I just wanted her to feel as comfortable as possible. Um, and so we asked, you know, we got her, Peter involved and they were already a couple playing this couple (laughs) Uh, and it worked out great. It was very quick. It was like they got off script and we got into rehearsal and they were very comfortable physically with each other and just nailed it. So it made it a very easy process, which was nice. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Um, Do you still like have acting aspirations at all or... You know, I do. I uh, I feel like part of the problem, you know, it's funny because I, I think back and I'm like, why aren't I, what's the problem that I'm not auditioning or that, you know, that I'm thinking that I can't do it? And, and in one sense, I'm like, I don't have time. 
you know, because now that I, you know, like live by myself and, um, you know, single woman, it's like paying all my bills on my own. And so I really do have to kind of just, you know, work when I can. And, you know, as you know, there's not a lot of money in uh, <laughs> performing, even when you're, you know, successful. Yeah. Because you don't paid. always know when it, when, you, I mean, you never know when the next thing yeah. is coming unless it's already exactly. lined up. And I personally tend to gravitate more towards stage work. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I find film work sometimes like, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, you're going to take five hours to adjust a light, but then you want me to like cry in two seconds just so you can film it. You know, it's like, I find it very, I get impatient with it. Yeah. Um, and I just like the, you know, the aspect of the live audience and that, um, but you know, obviously that takes up a lot more time to like have to be at performances every night and the rehearsal process. And, um, so I think in my mind, I'm kind of like, I don't have time to do theater right now. <laughs> um, but I would like to get back to that point where, you know, I can. The other thing that kind of freaks me out a little bit is I feel like, uh, the whole social media aspect of it, you know, where, um, and I guess this is more kind of with like Broadway stuff and like more commercial theater where, you know, they're casting people based on like their Instagram followers yeah. or, you know, like how well they post or how well they're known. And I just, you know, I joined Facebook like two years ago just so that I could find out what my friends were doing because I was missing invites to shows and, you know, gallery openings and parties. Cause they were like, I sent it on Facebook. And I was like, well, I'm not on it. You have to personally invite me and of course that's too much effort in these days so um I finally joined and now uh you know but I just keep it very small in that aspect of having you know being active and you know like a friend of mine he's a stuntman and we were talking about this and he was like oh yeah I have a friend in LA and they have some service or some group where you can pay people to like your pages oh yeah they have there's multiple yeah yeah and i was like that's absurd i mean you know we already pay as actors so much money like between the classes and the headshots and i mean you know like vocal lessons and you know body work and all this stuff to keep our instrument and you know everything healthy and strong yeah it's like growing and yeah 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 exactly so there's already all this money that you're putting in and i'm like what do you t- I, now i gotta pay people to like me <laughs> like it just it kind of goes against everything that i believe in in a sense you know um i don't know i'm a good midwestern girl i still believe that you know hard work and <laughs> i think it's that too like i don't think um hard work I, and talent pay off <laughs> they do and i don't think um because I've been doing over the last few months more of those like casting director and mm-hmm. agent meeting things. Um, yeah, how do you find that? Uh, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a member of a newer company because there's so again and that again there's still costs with all of this, but there's a startup one. So there's different um, companies that have been around. Uh, I've been in New York like ten years now, uh-huh. and like the when I got here, some of these companies were already here. Um, and I did one workshop with one casting director at one point mm-hmm. who did the thing and then had 
agents come. Right, right, right. Right around that time, like, I was starting to switch over to music more. Oh, nice. Okay. But, um, but there was, there's, like, a thing called Actors Connection. There's another one called Green Room. Mm-hmm. Another one called One One to One or One on One. A One on One. Mm-hmm. And um, for those, you pay per seminar. Yeah, I used to do, back in the day, I would do One on One. And... Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, and oh, it's now, I, of, now you're making me pay. Exactly. <laughs> um, and unfortunately... And I knew it was going to happen, but like compared to 10 years ago, the business has gone even more that way Yeah. to like, that's the beginning. Cause there are now with online, um, I think it's actors access, which mm-hmm. is like a thing where you can submit to a lot of casting directors also directly. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and like agencies use that too. Nice. Now if you're, if you have an agent and they're submitting you, it is helpful because they have relationships with the casting directors. Right. But if you have the tenacity and the hustle to like push do the legwork, mm-hmm. it's possible. Like yeah. it's, it's hard to do, um, but it is possible. Um, but so that said, like these seminars and stuff are good because then you can meet the mm-hmm. casting directors in person. You can meet them. You can meet the agents. Yeah. I they almost, can see your work. Yeah. Yeah. I almost signed with an agent, like a, couple of months ago oh nice congratulations happen. well I mean, that's... <laughs> it was something but then it didn't happen <laughs> and uh that's that's hard to me um yeah. when you are close and then but i mean that's also what acting is like yeah i totally and... i got an agent uh when i first started i mean like i went into his office and yeah. met with him and and he was like you know i did research on him. He was like Uma Thurman's agent at one point or something. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And he was like, yeah, we can, this is great. I could totally do something with you. Like drop off some headshots. Da, da, da. Awesome. Never heard from him again. Yeah. You know, and he was like, Oh, call my office and you know, just push me a little bit. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I, mean, I don't have a problem doing that. But then at a certain point you're kind of like, well, now I feel like I'm just badgering. You. Right. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a strange business. I don't know. I mean, I was lucky when I was performing. I mean, I, you know, I performed for 20 something years. Um, and as I said, I was doing more sort of experimental work and working with newer companies with new, newer work and, um, a lot of site specific stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like we used to do shows out in Brooklyn, like, or like in Williamsburg before it got to what it is now where, you know, just in people's lofts and abandoned buildings. And we would just kind of like show up and do a show and, you know, it was, I guess more of kind of like a happening at the time or something. But, um, uh, that was more of the type of work that I was doing. And, um, you know, you obviously don't have an agent for that type of thing. And I, was working with, you know, several different companies that I was a member of. And then also, you know, as a sort of a smaller community. So people would come and see your work. And if they had a piece, they would just call you up and be like, Hey, I saw you in Kelly's show. And, you know, you might be great for this, you know, so I I wasn't even auditioning. I mean, that was the other thing is that I went so many years without even having to audition because people were just hiring me from seeing the work. And that was great. And then the, you know, when it came to time when, a lot of these companies like were being run by women and they got married and had kids and left New York or, you know, became professionals and decided to, you know, pursue that more um, with like teaching at universities and that kind of thing. Um, you know, all of a sudden I was like, oh gosh, I 
kind of left <laughs> left on my own here. Um, and I was like, I guess I should start auditioning. And <laughs> I had this terrible realization that I was not great at auditioning. I mean, I hadn't done like cold reading or, you know, had to memorize a monologue and do it in front of someone for, you know, over a decade. And I was like, gosh, I really suck at this. This is awful. <laughs> you know? So again, then you're like, okay, well, now I need to go spend money to become good. At, you know? Yeah. Um, I do. Th- so like, um, there's, I've told you about this before. So I'm part of a theater company called Shelter Theater Company. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you should come out sometime. Um, yes. They have let's a regular, make that happen. Yeah. Uh, I think the next one's, it's usually every Sunday, uh-huh. but um, I think they're taking a couple of weeks off and then the ninth is going to be the next one. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, but that's, that's a great resource. And then there's also uh, Actors Launchpad and mm-hmm. that's more for the business side of things. Oh, nice. And what I like about them is instead of paying for each individual class, it's like a monthly $30 subscription. Oh, okay. And then you can sign, you can only sign up for one class at a time. So one of those seminars at a time because yeah. there's a bunch of people. Um, but then you can also pay for some classes if you really want to take it. There's a certain amount of like paid slots. Okay. Um, oh, cool. And then there's also like an actor's gym. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going I to that tomorrow morning. And like um, this one, you can sign up like still a limited number of slots, but it doesn't count to my other classes. Oh, I see. Okay. And so I found that company to be good because going to those meetings is not always fun. Like I usually, I don't regret it when I go, but it's like, you know, like it's, it's work. Um, I learn stuff every time. Um, but because you're already paying the subscription, it's kind of more of a reason to like go and Mm -hmm. make it be worth it. Yeah. Worth your while. Um, and yeah, so that's been really good. Yeah. Um, No. And I love that. Like, I mean, I don't know how long it's, I mean, it sounds like you kind of like jumped back into it recently or like in the last year, but like, I love how you just were like, I'm doing this and you went full. Yeah. I mean, it's taken time, but I think that's like the thing with it, with anything, but kind of like how you got into like body work. Like it's sort of like you take some steps those lead to some other things. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, like You're you like, decide whether I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then once that happens, like there's, you know, there's always new stuff to learn. There's always yeah. new directions to go. So yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do. It's, it's funny that we're talking about this because I, I do think, uh, you know, when I was in my twenties, I kind of, you didn't have like a look or a, like a, specific thing that I thought, you know, that I guess I was kind of like the best friend next door or something kind of like all American girl. Um, but I literally remember meeting with a, with a, um, agent who was my friend's agent. So she came, you know, or I was there on recommendation or whatever. And she looked at my headshot and I had real long hair at the time. I guess I kind of, people always thought that I looked like uh, Laura Prepon on, um, that 70s show. Like, I would, okay. have, yeah, like yeah, I would yeah. have people be like, all right, do you play Donna? Because I also dyed it kind of red at the time, like Auburn, yeah. you know? And uh, she looked at my headshot and looked at me and she goes, now what are we going to do with you? And I was like, what do you mean? What are you going to do with me? I'm the all-American girl, blah, blah. And she was like, you look like I could cast you in like a 70s film. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 
yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, people didn't really know what to do with me. Um, and I don't think I knew what to do with me either, you know, because I had like a little bit of a deeper voice and I, I, you know, I think trying to act a little more mature than my age at the time. <laughs> um, even if I probably, you know, wasn't, but I looked very young. I also had this very like little girl face kind of for a while. Um, and I feel like at this point, you know, now that I'm in my forties, I'm like, I feel like I'm probably at my most castable because I feel like very comfortable with my body, feel comfortable with where I look. I probably look maybe a little younger than my actual age, but, um, but I could also play like, you know, a hip mom or something or like the cool aunt maybe. <laughs> yeah. That was the, that was the big thing with the, um, with the agent, like kind of coming back to acting after taking like five to seven years off, um, being, you know, pushing, pushing for it now. Um, yeah. She's like the agent. It was like a couple of questions, but then one of them was like, what's your, she's like, I'm not allowed to ask your, she did ask later in the follow up mm-hmm. meetings, but exact like she's like what's your age range and I was like I guess 30 to 45 and she's mm-hmm. like there's a lot of work for 30 to 45 and I'm just like yeah in my head like you know sometimes I kick myself for time wasted time off right. and then it's like oh but this is that's all water under the bridge and totally. this is a new time and it's like it's not a bad time to be here exactly and I think that's important for people to like wherever you are like, yeah it's like there's if there's something you want to do it's never a bad time yeah (laughs) exactly you know yeah yeah for sure and you know when I think back at or when I even look now at the roles that are available for you know young actresses you're like I'm like oh my gosh I wouldn't even want to play that role you know the the really amazing roles for women right now are actually like over 40, which is amazing because, you know, it used to be <laughs> once you were over a certain age, they kind of put you out to pasture. Um, but now there's so much more exciting characters and, and pieces being written for women in general, but yeah. also really specifically older, you know, and not even older. I mean, 40 is not old. No. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, Mature, mature women, not the on screen too. Like, like I think with like Netflix and Hulu and all of these other platforms. Yeah, there's so much. It's it's an interesting time because yeah, I feel like in some ways, probably there's more things being like filmed right now than ever because there's so many more ways for people to like consume it and Mm -hmm. receive it. yeah, but there's it is. like Frankie it's... and Lily, like that's uh, mm-hmm. Jane Fonda and, and Lily Tomlin. Uh, Lily yeah. Tomlin, yeah, yeah, like perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and honestly, you know, kind of one of my biggest inspirations right now is uh, I mean, those two are amazing, but also um, Isabel Huppert, uh, French actress, and she, <laughs> I saw her at BAM do the stage production of, um, oh my gosh, was it Electra or something? Anyway, it wasn't a great show, but she is in like her 60s and she's running around half naked, like having, you know, like simulating sex with these young men and just was completely physical and totally sexual and just, I mean, owned it and was so beautiful. 
you know, and you never had this thought of like, oh gosh, she's too old to play this part or, you know, oh, it's weird seeing a woman of this age in a negligee. It was so amazing and she was so committed and it, you know, seeing that performance made me really be like, you know, you can, you can do it at any age. Yeah. You know, like, you don't have to put a cap on it. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I think that's those people in the cubicle. Um, yeah. <laughs> in the nightmare. If it's a night, you know, <laughs> it depends on, you know what I mean? Like, if that's what makes you happy, you know what I yes. mean? As long as it's making you happy and or fulfilling you. Totally. You're not always like going to be happy. Like, my dad was a CPA. Mm-hmm. He was an accountant. And he loved it. I mean, yeah. the day that he had to leave his job, I, I know, I mean, I wasn't there, but I know for a fact that he like broke down in tears in his office because he loved it, you know? I mean, to, he still kind of does it. Like he's, you know, retired, but you know, he's like, oh yeah, I'll be the treasurer of the condo yeah. board or what, you know, it's like, he, that's just his passion is like numbers and auditing and you know, all this stuff. And, you know, for me, that's, that would be like a personal hell. You know, he's like, I don't know where you came from. <laughs> you know? um, but I, it's amazing because he loves it and he gets so much joy from it. Whereas, you know, I'm like, I can't even balance my checkbook. You know, like that's a nightmare to me. But um, yeah, it's whatever makes you happy. And it can be, <laughs> you know, it can be this unicorn life of, you know, being a rock star or whatever, or... You know, it can just be doing, you know, when I worked at this office that I was temping at that I was saying, um, the sad thing was that I was actually really great at my job because I'm really pretty organized. So I would just like, I would get bored and I would go around and I'd be like, does anyone have something that I can file or like reorganize or like, you know, I would just buy a bunch of like colored folders from Staples and redo people's file cabinets, you know, like color coordinated and stuff just because I was like, let's make this system easier, you know? And there was a part of me that was like, gosh, I'm really good at just being like a office, <laughs> like yeah. an office worker, you know, which is maybe the thing that kind of scared me straight when that moment happened where it was like, oh, I think I can do something, you know, a little better with my life than like color coordinating people's accounts payable files. Yeah. <laughs> But to be perfectly honest, in that moment, like in the time up until that point where I was using that job just to get a paycheck so that I could, you know, go off to rehearsals during the day and take off, you know, like a week or two to do performances. um, I was perfectly happy doing that job. You know, it was great. I didn't have a problem. You know, like I was like, I'm good at it. I do it. It comes naturally to me. It's fine. Yeah. And that's like me in the bar restaurant thing. Like I like it in a way. Like I do like it in a way. Um, but I'm getting, (laughs) I'm getting over it now. Um, and I wasn't for a long time, but it's, you know, everything, some things have their time and season and and reason definitely had a, and it still has a reason. Like I'm not going to quit everything tomorrow, but I'm slowly like as different opportunities come up, like I'm like taking time off from work. Even if I like, and I'm like, I'll figure out <laughs> like where the money's coming from. Right. Yeah. You just, you don't even, you can't even worry about it. You yeah. just have to be like the universe will provide. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jane does sounds real like woo woo out there, but I mean, honestly, but you do like, you kinda, honestly, you just like, gotta give it up. Especially if you want 
to shift where the money's coming from. If you want yeah. it to come from a more creative spot, you have to do more creative things and totally trust that, you know. Yeah. I was at a, uh, I was at a talk with Laurie Anderson, um, recently and, um, it was at Laurie Anderson, the, uh, perform she, so she does, um, she's a musician mostly. She was married to Lou Reed. Okay. Um, and it was at Pratt and, you know, at the end they opened it up for students to ask questions and someone said, you know, cause she, I guess came up in like the seventies, you know, she like lived downtown in Soho and was doing all this, you know, experimental music and performance type stuff. And just part of that whole scene, um, which is easier than, <laughs> and, uh, so one of the students said, you know, how do you, you know, we have all this debt and it's so expensive to live here and you have to have a job and, and how do you, how do you make this happen? You know, how, how do you make art? as your life. And she said, you know, I know that this is going to sound real. Just, it's not, it's not what you want to hear. But she said, it's really true. She said, you just have to keep making art and that's all you can do. And I guess, you know, it's true. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, and nobody said it was easy either. Like it's not that it's going to be easy, but it's like, also it's like anything it's not, it's worth it though. That's yeah. the thing. It's worth it. Yeah. And Even if you don't make a million dollars off of it, the fact that it feeds your soul and keeps you going, you know, that it, it, you have a passion, I think is, has its own worth, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, there's nothing wrong also with making money through art. There's nothing Absolutely. wrong with doing commercials. There's nothing wrong with doing things just for money. Yep. However, um, I don't think the, like the purpose, like if you want to be an artist, Mm -hmm. if your reason for being an artist is because you want to make lots of money, there might be a better way to make lots of money. (laughs) Like there's an easier way, I guarantee. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, And probably if you're going into art for solely for money, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are people, no, I'm sure there are people who've done that and have made money off of it. But I think most people that actually do end up like successful, um, they weren't in it just for the money. Like that happened, that, that happened, but that's not like, that's not what made the art, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the art is like in and of itself, like. Yeah, and that's always that's always nice to see when that happens. When yeah. someone that you know like has talent or you appreciate their work and then they get their comeuppance and you're like, oh, okay, I believe in the system still a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I believe in it though. Like there's something about I mean, yeah, there's no guarantees in the thing either, but it's like the hard work is the thing. And it's like, you don't know, like, yeah, if you keep grinding at it, it goes, it's going to go somewhere, you know, or yeah, like some things like maybe like if somebody has absolutely like really wants to do something 
and has absolutely no success at all. And like success isn't necessarily like millions of dollars, but like, isn't, isn't getting any positive feedback from anybody or anything (laughs) like then maybe assess yeah, why are you doing this? Yeah, because I feel like if you're at all good at it and you work hard at it, like yeah, it, you, some things are going to happen, like yeah, to a de- to a degree, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where um, before I forget, yeah. where's the best place for people to look up your practice? Ah. Um, you can check me out on my website, which is theurbanhealer.com. Um, and that has all my information. Um, there's a booking site for my office in the city, but, uh, if people wanted to come to my home studio, uh, the best way to contact me is through, uh, email, which is theurbanhealer at gmail.com. Um, or uh, text or phone calls, and that number's on the website too. So, um, you know, just request a day and time, and you can usually find something that works. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I think this was a pretty good combo. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I'm good. I mean, this was, this was a good conversation, I think. Yeah, <laughs> we I think so. Covered too. a lot of bases here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. And yeah, the studio in Bushwick and the other ones in Union Square. Union right? Square, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Alec. So that was my conversation with Danielle Fink. Check her out at theurbanhealer.com. Take care of yourself. Like I said, if you just started jujitsu or Thai boxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, or if you're just getting old. Um, or if you're, you know, stressed out and your body's tense enough, check her out. She's got lots of different ways she could help you out. She's been at it for a while. And if you live here in Bushwick, you can do it right here in the neighborhood. Um, I had a great time talking with her. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I enjoyed having that with her very much. And I enjoyed the massage later. Um, I feel a lot better. Um, If you enjoyed that episode and if you enjoy the episodes you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Check them all out on BushwickVarietyShow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me know if you want to be on the podcast, and I'd love to have you on. Uh, You just have to, you don't have to live in Bushwick, but you have to come to Bushwick and record it with me. Um, At the Rack Shack, where I record all all of the episodes, pretty much all of the episodes, the Rack Shack is my lovely light wife's uh, store. It's a lingerie boutique um, here in Bushwick. Body positive, all-inclusive. Check it out, therackshack.com, rackshackbk.com. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>